0: joining in on this week's episode and first things first i want to wish everyone a happy thanksgiving um wherever you're listening uh, this will be coming out on thanksgiving morning so i hope today you're surrounded with people you love and care about and that you take time to think about the things you're thankful for so um, i know i'm thankful for this podcast and i'm thankful for the guests that we have today This is someone who uh, means a lot to my family, and he doesn't live uh, locally here in Nashville, so it's special that I get to have him in town, Um, and I'm honored that you take time to sit down with me. I know you're a busy guy, but I want to welcome Mr. Dan Lascano. Thank you for being here, Uncle Dan. Thank you so much, Josh, for having me. It's
1: uh, great uh, to watch you grow up, to start as a
0: youth and become a a man that I'm proud of. Oh, thank you so much. Well, um, you guys listening, you'll hear me call him Uncle Dan because he is my uncle, but there's no blood relation that we know of, (laughs) Um, but I just want to let everyone know that. Uncle Dan, um, again, thanks for being here. And just to start off, I want to give you a chance to kind of introduce yourself to people listening who may not know you, and also um, if you could just share kind of how your relationship with my dad and his brothers started, like wh- how'd you guys meet and, and just what your relationship is now? Um, I'm a
1: father of three boys. Um, I grew up in California and now I live in New York City and I've lived there since 1992. Um, I'm recently divorced, so I'm sure that will come up. But I would say I met your father many years ago Greg Laurie was doing a harvest in New York City, and your dad and brothers were there. And I think we met at the opening prayer, and he was standing next to Greg Laurie, and and Greg Laurie was talking to me. And as I walked in the room, uh, Greg Laurie tried to shake my hand, and I
0: said, "Uh, "I'm going to give you a hug." (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So you met them in New York while they were working. Yeah. Yeah, Madison
1: Square Garden and, for and, the first night.
0: And did you know anything about them prior to meeting them? or I knew a little bit about them because I think they had sung at my brother's church okay. in California, but I had never met any of your your relatives until that time. So what was it about them? Because they meet people all the time um, on the road. And uh, I don't know, maybe you have a lot of friends like them, but I, I'm just curious, Like, what was it about the Katinas that made you think, I want to be friends with these guys or whatever it is. I guess it's, it's,
1: I mean, I've really come close to your father, obviously. And I love all the brothers, but me and your dad have always bonded. And I think truthfully, he's kind of a person I look up to, Mm. a person I would like to be like. Mm. So... That was a natural connection, and he's so gregarious and gracious and humble that you know you just can't help but want to spend more time with Joe Catina.
0: Wow. Well, I uh, I think that will mean a lot to him, because I know he'll, he'll listen to this, and that'll mean a lot, but I think he would probably say the same thing about you. I know that uh, your guys' friendship is one of his best. You're, he would call you one of his best friends, I think, and um, I'm thankful that my dad has someone like you that... Um, he can, you know, confide in or be honest with, and um, it's been uh, a blessing to me just to see the friendship that you've given my dad. So thank you for that. That's one of the things I'm thankful for today. Um, as we uh, as we move on, I I don't know how much of the podcast, how many of the podcasts you have listened to before. I've listened to a few of them. Okay, though, for sure. So you know that I, I prepare uh, three questions for my guests, and the first two are really things that I'm more interested in, and then the third one is more about you, and so we'll get to that later, but um, I think I'm ready to ask you your questions now. I'm ready. So, all right, so you kind of mentioned it um, in your introduction that you grew up in California, and you've lived in New York City since 92 now, you said? Yes, full-time. Wow. So New York City since 92, and your three sons have grown up there. And two of them were born there. Wow. So growing up in the South, people have a lot to say about big cities and New York City in particular, and one one of the things I heard a lot growing up was, New York City, it's a great place to visit, but I never want to raise a family there, raise my kids there. And I just want to ask you, as someone who has raised kids in New York City, had kids born in New York City, what do you think, um, what do you think the value is, or how have you seen New York City affect your sons in growing up, and um, is there anything that it has done to shape them that maybe you like, maybe you don't like? What has that been like, just being a father in New York City?
1: I think, you know, lucky for me that it's had a lot of positives, I believe, in the sense that some of the weirdest things have happened and we've like, we're in Mexico one time and we were walking by and I think my son said, that's a Botero (laughs) and he knew what artist was on the lawn, you know, so like, I don't think most kids have exposure to that and he understood what it meant and the... Just the knowledge that comes from being around that city. Um, both my All my kids, in fact, did a special thing since they were around in kindergarten in the museum. And so they spent week after week in the museum in a special class. So just knowing animals and just the different variety of things the city offered, it's been amazing in so many ways to them.
0: Yeah. Do you think... Um is there anything like when you spend time here in the South that you think, wow, my kids maybe didn't get to experience that just because they lived in a city life or yes. I mean, football and the love mm-hmm. of football and the love of
1: games and, um, just the camaraderie that could build. But I also assume that makes people on the out, people that don't play it outsiders. Um, so I think it has its benefits if you're yeah. that kid and if you're not that kid, It's probably detrimental in some ways because you want to be a people pleaser and your parents be proud of you. Um, So I think everything, you know, in life, there's a positive and a negative. And my first son, you know, didn't he he played sports, he wrestled and did track, but he wasn't a football kid. So the South would have been tough. But my second one and third one would have been
0: very happy here. Yeah. I, uh, I actually have one of my best friends grew up in New York city. He was, I think he grew up in Queens and, uh, I was with him recently and I asked him, I, I asked him these questions often because his childhood was so different from mine. And that was one of the things I asked him was if you, if growing up in New York city, if you wanted to play football, what did you do? And, and he said, uh, you ran track or something <laughs> like that. there. were
1: Both of my kids did play football um, in the end, Um, but, you know, just the practice and getting there was totally different experience. And then it ended up being flag football at some time because they got, they banned tackle football Uh. at um, the boys young, you know, when they were in elementary school, they banned it. So... It was just a different experience, but I think they're very well rounded kids. Mm-hmm. The one thing I didn't mention is they had the opportunity to go to a boys' school, my two oldest. Mm. And so things like singing in the choir and doing plays and things that you, a lot of boys wouldn't do in a co ed school, yeah. they did. So my boys both sang in the chorus. Um, so, you know, it did offer a whole different diversity of things that. If you're not a super sports kid that you can really grab onto in the city.
0: Yeah, that. so that is one thing that um, my friend Sebastian, I've talked to him about. It's like, what's school like in New York City? Because he kind of explained... So I grew up going to public schools, um, which is kind of just what everyone did around here. And um, I asked him about, like, how, how do you figure out where you're going to school? Like, how do they put all these kids in school? And he explain to me that when he was younger going into middle school and then high school he had to like apply to 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 get into high schools is that what your sons had to do
1: yes the first two have um noah and james did and they both chose their high school believe it or not yes we were part of the process um but we weren't we really decided at that age they were old enough they had made good decisions you know, they're becoming 15. And we said, it's really on your onus this time. Yeah, we picked your previous school, you guys choose your school. And they both chose schools
0: they loved. Yeah, so. that's what so yeah, that's what my friend told me is that he had you, you kind of pick where you go to school, which is a weird thing to me. I can't imagine being 14, 15, and having to It was already hard enough when I had to pick where I was going to go to college. So I can't imagine being that young and picking where you go to high school. But I guess that's just how they do it
1: there. It is how they do it. But also, if you think about it, it's kind of weird that you didn't have any choice. Yeah. If you really think about it, it's like my son, he wants to be a science. He could lead to a science school. If he wanted to be an artist, he can go to an artist school. Uh So I do think it does offer you... um, James is a little more sports oriented. So it did give him the opportunity to go to a more sports oriented school with Noah's very academic and it mm. gave him the chance to lean into that.
0: Yeah. That is that is true. I um, here you just go where you're zoned. And so that's what I did. And I think thankfully it's it worked out. I got I graduated from high school, but I do think about if I was, you know, I think I was fourteen when I was a freshman. You know what would have been important to me back then and how how I would have chosen where I go to school, but well, thanks for um, for sharing that about um, Your kids and I know that they're very important to you and uh, I've it's weird. So I saw you last August um, and that was my first time seeing any of your boys for probably five or six years because I used to go up to your house every summer um but then once I went to college I wasn't able to to go up during the summer and so was, I went back and both James and Noah are young men now they're they're not the little boys that I remember it's weird how quickly it happened
1: yeah the first time I visited your family I believe you were in your sophomore or junior year and you were uh partly sunny days yeah you know so yeah. that was and that was you know, so I know what school you would have chosen by your song. What's that? You you wrote about Centennial. Oh yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, I guess so. I, uh,
1: you didn't have a choice. Yeah, I did. <laughs> your first video was in a school bus from Centennial, I yeah. believe.
0: I think I I just decided, well, this is where I'm going, so I'm gonna love it. But yeah, it's been fun getting to kind of see James and Noah and 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 Jakey grow up and and um, they're fine young men. So and. I'm excited to see them tomorrow I haven't seen them yet but um, like I mentioned I saw you in August of this year and we were discussing and this and I want to hear your opinion on it because I feel like um, you probably have more insight than uh, the everyday person on this but uh, we were talking about how I was working from home back in August and that there was discussions, um, within my company and, and a lot of people that I know around my age about coming back to the office. And I had asked you why, um, why, why are companies, some companies pushing to have workers come back to the office when, you know, it seems like for a lot of people working from home has worked out pretty well and people are able to have more, uh, freedom and less time commuting and companies also aren't having to, they don't necessarily have the obligation of paying to have a brick and mortar place for people to come work in. You told me that you thought that the companies who want workers to come back, they they want it because it helps build culture, a work culture at the workplace. And that made sense to me, but um, I wanted to ask you, now that we're nearing the two-year mark since... Uh, the pandemic started and really changed every aspect of our lives moving forward how do you what do you think work is going to look like for people moving forward is it still going to be a work from home thing or do you think everything's just going to go back to the way it was how do you see work changing moving forward I do think it's changed permanently
1: and I do think unfortunately for the younger generation they're never going to have the gratitude of work.
0: Mm.
1: And what I mean by that is like, in New York City, I developed my best friends from work. Yeah. And with this new system, I don't know if it's going to come from church or from your friends. But, you know, usually it's nice when everything has a three legged stool, or, Mm -hmm. you know, you had your friends, you had your family, and then you had your work friends, and you could really grow up and develop and learn from them without even knowing that you're learning from your work friends yeah. and see them and grow up but how do you understand what this company stands for when you can't stand in their presence mm. it's like it's kind of like being a christian without going to church
0: yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense to me i s- selfishly I hope that work stays from home just because i i enjoy it and it's also kind of I mean, it's really all I know. I I started working at the job I am at right now like a week before they sent everyone to work from home. So uh, it's definitely my comfort zone, but um, you you mentioned that you think work is probably changed permanently. Um, Do you think most of our, most of just the different parts of our lives do you think any of them will ever go back to normal? Or do you think that the, the changes that we've seen from the pandemic are, are basically here to stay?
1: I mean, a lot of it is positive, though, yeah. right? Like a lot of good things have happened. Um, you know, I think the South and the North are very different in how they treat the seriousness of it. Um, you know, like if I walked into a restaurant in the North, they're going to ask me for my vaccine card Mm -hmm. or they're not going to let me eat inside. Mm -hmm. Um, And the South has a different view, you know, and I don't think it's my job ever to force someone to a view. um, But I do think, you know, it's going to change probably more dramatically in the North and more big cities where it was... The impact was so great. Right, And so it will change less in the South and where you live because the impact was painful mm-hmm. but it wasn't as painful as it was in new york
0: and uh, in what way was it different in new york for in your experience
1: well we it's the start mm-hmm. it was the start of the pandemic when no one really knew what was going on yet and we weren't treating peyton right it was like we all need ventilators we didn't end up needing ventilators we needed to have people lay on their stomachs yeah. um so we were doing things at one point you know there was meat trucks In New York City, because so many people were dying, the coroner couldn't keep up with the bodies. Mm. So just the idea of meat trucks being parked on your streets, to store bodies. It's Sounds traumatic. It is traumatic. Yeah, it's like 911. Again. Mm. Um, The thing that I've, you know, you didn't ask this question. But if you think about it, my son Noah, he was born into 911. He graduated into a pandemic. Mm. So that 20 years in New York, kind of was capsuled by two major events that changed the landscape of that that city and uh, Noah finally graduated last May this you know it this may a year later than he was supposed to Mm. but they had an outdoor event in Central Park so when he went home in March there was that was the end he never went back to school
0: Wow. yeah that's I think Obviously, a lot of kids had that experience. And my cousin Jackson, he uh, and my wife, Alexis, both graduated uh, spring of 2020 uh, from college. And they never got a graduation, um, like a graduation ceremony. But uh, obviously, there was a lot of loss from uh, 2020. And, you know, some of it was... Some of it was small things like a graduation ceremony, and uh, some of them were bigger, like people losing loved ones. And um, I do think it is—I uh, don't know if "sad" is the right word, but um, it's just difficult for me to think about someone like Noah, who, uh, like you said, he was born in nine eleven. He came into New York City around the time of nine eleven, and then the pandemic at his graduation, that uh, those monumental parts of his life are marked by um, on such tragic uh, events. And um, I'm curious, you know, moving forward, how his generation, which I guess is my generation, how, how those things will affect just the way we see the world moving forward and uh, the way we see, see life moving forward. Yeah, I think it will affect us. But I think in the end, it's like, you know, you have
1: to have this belief that something good's going to happen out of it, right? And Mm -hmm. something positive is, and what is the lesson? You know, does it, does it make us interact and be nicer to people when we can interact? Do Mm -hmm. we, you know, is Thanksgiving more special?
0: Mm. You know, for me it is. Yeah, I think it is for me too. Um, I appreciate that you're able to see the good and what a lot of people would say is was was all bad. But um, well, there's your two questions from from me, and um, I guess the third question is also for me. But the third question I, I asked, uh, I ask all my guests this, and so um, I'll simply ask it: What's going on at home?
1: So, uh, Paula and I, who was my wife for 20 years we've uh, been going through the process of divorce. um, And I don't think you, I don't think God intended us ever to want to offer our children divorce. Mm -hmm. Right. So it really makes you re-examine your soul, I think. And to make sure that you, I think divorce is one or both of you not being right with God. Mm -hmm. And so it made me just you know, is there little things in my life where I never gave up control and, like, be willing to give it up and making sure I am right with God. um, I think that's been my big push
0: in this season of my life. Yeah, I... um, So, divorce is not something that my family is uh, a stranger, to I, I had um, my Uncle John on, and he shared a little bit about um, just going through what he went through uh, over the past few years. And one of the questions I asked him was, how has the divorce changed his relationship with his sons? And I want to ask you that. Do you think it, it has changed your relationship with, with the boys um, in any way? I do. I think it's made it
1: stronger in some ways because, you know, now it is me cooking dinner for them when I cook dinner. Yeah. And if I do the laundry at home, I it's, it's me doing the laundry. If I you know, James broke his arm, so I've been driving James to school and it's you know, it's me getting up and driving him to school. Mm-hmm. So the time that I spent with him, the amount of time for other things that I wouldn't, you know, do part of or do sometimes, I do now when I have him. Mm. And so for me there's definitely been this part where we kind of work out together almost every night mm. and we cook dinner together and then we watch a movie and it's kind of a time of us just hanging out, which what didn't happen um necessarily as much inside you know, when we were a family of, of five. And so I'm, I look forward to the time I spend with them, and I think they look forward to it as well. Probably not as much as me, because yeah. they're 2017 and uh, 13 going on 14. But it, it, to me, it's just a new season, and, you know, it's being still and waiting on God, and God's been forming this relationship with each one in a different way, but they've all become uniquely more special to me.
0: Hmm. That's that's great. I um, I think, you know, when you grow up, I'm 25 years old now, and I think for every kid, that there comes a, a time in your life where you realize that your parents are just like everyone else. They're just normal people. I think... When you're really young you see your parents as almost hero figures or or whatever it is and and um but eventually some sometimes it's from something happening and sometimes it's just because you're older and you have more experience and wisdom but you um that that hero figure kind of fades away a little bit and you realize that your parents they're they're flawed and um They're just they're humans just like you. And um, I think sometimes uh, divorce can be an event that can kind of uh, make you realize that, oh, my parents are just like everyone else and they have issues and and things and and they have insecurities. And but I think that from you sharing how, you know, your relationship has changed, but in some ways for the better. that's encouraging to me because it tells me that, you know, just because maybe the perception um, that my kids have of me is changing, that doesn't mean it has to be a bad thing. It it can be a good thing.
1: Yes, clearly I answered the question, not them. But I do believe that my bond with each of them has grown stronger. Mm. But I also realized, I think, that when you're co parenting or parenting together at a home, you know, there's always a different style. And so it's not necessarily bad, but I think you in this time, my hopefully my answer to them when they ask me a question, I try to answer you make good decisions. You've always made good decisions. So why don't you make the decision? And if we need to talk about it or need help, You come to your decision and then we'll talk about it if we, if, if, if it doesn't work out for you. Yeah. So being patient. Mm,
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I would like to ask you, I, I have asked this to a few of my guests before because it's something that um, is important to me and something that I ask myself a lot, actually. And, um, obviously you've been going through a lot of change over the past few years and, um, but I want to ask you as you move forward and, um, are embracing just this new season, what is, what are your dreams for how, um, your family can look, uh, in the future? What are in you, and your hopes for those things?
1: I mean, I would hope to get remarried. Mm-hmm. Um, I would hope to a strong Christian woman who's involved in the church. I would hope that, um, most of all, that my kids grow up and continue on their paths. Um, I think in this season, I have really learned to slow down, to let doors open for me rather than pushing through. I think New Yorkers push through doors; mm-hmm. we don't tend to wait around. <laughs> we don't. Uh, so I've I've really waited for, hopefully God's calling to open the doors, and become more patient. I hope. Um, but I do think it is a season where I don't want to push. I want God to clearly lay the ground and I stay on his path, mm. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. It makes sense. It sounds... I think that's one of those things that's much easier said than done. It is so much easier said than yeah. done. I mean, because... I mean,
1: just a lot of people are built to do, mm. right? Rather than wait. Yeah. Like... uh you know, know he is God and be still it is not that easy to be still mm-hmm. that's probably the hardest thing is being
0: still yeah I think um, that's something that I've also been you know uh, being still I've been saying to myself a lot lately that I want to be present which I think is there's some similar being still and being present and um, being fully where I'm at with whatever is in front of me. And, um, it's so hard and it's something that I'm not, I I fail at a lot, but, um, I think it is, there's a lot of wisdom in that, in, in being still and, you know, understanding that I think when I'm, the thing that makes it hard is that when I'm being still, it's, and when I'm being present, a lot of times I have to come to terms with the fact that most of the things that are happening in my life, I have no control over at all. Um, and that's a scary thing to think about. And But also an
1: amazing thing to think about. Yeah. Right? Like if you turn that upside down, who could lay a better path for you than God? Do you think Josh Katina could pave a better road than God or yeah I mean where you're pushing through those doors or checking your phone for another tweet or text Mm -hmm. I mean what about you know I just feel like now I mean obviously it's different I'm older so much older and like you hopefully how many things did I mess up God wanted Mm -hmm. and what road did I take that God didn't want me on? And what did I push through to do and accomplish that God didn't wasn't behind and I still accomplished it. Yeah. So like in this season, is there anything Mm -hmm. that he can't do that could be better? And I just have to surrender to that and say there is Mm -hmm. right. There's more hope on being still and being patient and knowing that road will be clear what I I guess what another way to say it what you're saying is to be present but I also think of it as always let it be clear right let it let let it be known to me what I am supposed to do and sometimes it becomes so crystal clear when you just wait and do nothing
0: yeah
1: right the path is like oh yeah that's the only option I
0: have now mm.
1: and it's not necessarily a bad option you just like weren't sure between the two and one becomes clear
0: yeah I I totally agree with you. I think I when I think about um, seasons in my life where I was, you know, making decisions or faced with challenges. And uh, I can always say that it was the times where I surrendered the control up to God that I feel like those were the best times in my life and the times where I tried to, you know, uh, force my will onto things where times where, you know, it just seemed like I was trying to swim upstream the whole time.
1: Right. Another thing I've learned for me personally is I have to be at peace. So if I'm angry, mad, irritable, anxious, nervous, it's not the right decision. Mm. I have to be at peace. And if I'm at peace and I could offer peace to my children in a letter, in the direction I'm going, and I feel at peace it's the right
0: way to go yeah do you do you get angry a lot
1: i do not get angry yeah a lot. i was
0: gonna ask because i don't see you i don't know if i can think of a time where i thought <laughs> oh wow uncle dan is mad right now
1: no my boys were talking about that today i think they talked about like five years ago i got mad because Noah took a uh a shower in the
0: drought in california
1: and i was <laughs> got mad about how long a shower was so <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny i so anger is something that uh uh, is is a big part of my life. I don't know how familiar you are with um, the Enneagram.
1: I'm not super, but I, I, I have heard every Katina talk about it.
0: Okay, yeah. It's probably annoying hearing. No, it, but, it's not. <laughs> so anyway, I've learned th- through the Enneagram that anger is not something that... The, the way I process anger is by ignoring it. I often, in, in times where maybe I even should be angry... I, I I, just ignore it. I don't necessarily internalize it, but I just try and ignore it. And I, I see anger always as negative.
1: Right. And it's not negative. Anger, you got to work through. It's, you will kill your internal being and mm-hmm. your friendships by resentment. Yeah, And if you don't go through the anger, you end up with resentment. And then that's how... I think you hurt things. It's Mm -hmm. not anger. Anger is healthy. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I, there was a, I don't know who said it and who, uh, or who introduced me to it, but there's a quote, um, that says anger is a gift. It is a gift. And that was revolutionary for me to hear that anger, anger, it's not, um, necessarily a burden or, um, something negative, but anger is a gift and, uh, I think that as I've been trying to process and, and learn, you know, healthier ways to um, accept and deal with anger, remembering that these emotions that we get, anger, sadness, happiness, um, whatever it is, is—they're emotions mostly are neutral. It's, it's just about um, how you respond to your emotions that can make them negative or, or, or positive.
1: So if someone's angry or someone's sad or someone's happy, they're just telling you a feeling that you, that they want you to respond to. Mm-hmm. So it's really if you work through that, that's how you build a relationship, right? It's not working through it. You're poisoning that relationship yeah. in my belief. Yeah. So to lay out your anger and put a boundary there saying you hurt me because... Or, I don't feel loved because that is not, that is, you know, God centered. It's not getting that emotion out there because you don't give that person the ability to love you the way you want to be loved.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the way you want to be loved is totally different than the way your wife wants to be loved, right? Right. And so if you don't tell her, hey, you made me angry because I felt unwanted because I felt unloved because. You're not giving her the opportunity to love you the way that Josh Katina wants to be loved yeah I think that's how I look at
0: it yeah I, I totally agree. Um, we have a little bit of time left and uh, I'm gonna switch directions completely uh, because I wanted to ask you this be, um, I'm really interested in like um, technology and the way that. It's moving forward, and the way that it's affecting our lives. And I'm pretty sure. I do you have any like social media presence at all? Are you? I never have had any social okay, media. Okay, so presence. you're not you're not on social media. Um, but I know that you probably know more than than you would say about just the way that social media, at least the companies work. And are you aware of um, Facebook's new. Yeah. Meta? Meta, yeah. What's your understanding of of the metaverse?
1: I think they want to make it an alternate reality for us, right? And um, what we've seen so far and what we've seen from all the studies is that only thing it really does is Facebook in and of itself, people show their best lives. Mm -hmm. So it makes everyone anxious because Mm -hmm. they're wondering why they're not included in their best lives or why you're taking these pictures in your best life. But you're not actually sharing your real life. Yeah. Right? You're sharing a version that's not real, that's the best picture of you at the best time with the best meal. In fact, I've seen people taking Facebook pictures at dinner. There's four of them, and they're all taking pictures of their meal and they're not even talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're not even having fun, right? Yeah. Like what I'm trying to do is put my phone down so I can't be distracted, so I actually can interact and create a real relationship and that's why I have ch- chose never to have Facebook or Instagram or any v- social media
0: what what does Facebook have to gain for, from this because I feel like the people who use Facebook are already so invested in it or any social media they're so invested people spend hours a day on it what why are they the, what's this for I think the biggest fear is the younger kids are now
1: on TikTok, right so we went from something that we did 90 minutes a day and it was, you know, a a semi real to now we just watch TikTok videos that are 30 seconds, you know, now the next thing will be down to three seconds and are, you know, we're, I feel like we're just dumbing ourselves down. Yeah. We are not giving ourselves the opportunity for realness. And so Facebook wants to try to make it, I think, a more real alternate universe, but there's no better alternate universe than the real world. Do, do you think it's going to catch on? I think it will. I think Facebook is very smart, right? Yeah. Google, like, uh, I Googled my way here with ways, uh-huh. you know, like, um, I don't think that Google and Facebook are stupid companies. I think they're smarter than we think they are. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not sure they, you know, always want the best. Uh-huh. And I think Facebook really is at the center of the controversy is the anxiousness of our kids. Yeah. And so they're trying to see if they can solve maybe two problems at once and not having the next generation be three times as anxious as the last generation. Mm. So that's the real problem, I think.
0: Okay, so I'm going to share with you a theory that I heard about Meta and the metaverse. And I want you to respond and tell me if you think it's absolutely loony or if you think there's maybe some validity to it. So from the, the theory is that um, thousands of people in the future, in the near future, are gonna lose their jobs to automation. And the thought is that universal basic income might become a reality here in the US. And so people are going to, um, have their basic needs taken care of but they're going to have they're not going to be spending as much time working and the thought is that the metaverse alternate reality is going to become a way that people start spending their time now instead of spending their time working now that they have things taken care of food and rent and uh hospital bills or whatever now they don't need to work now they're going to invest their time into the metaverse is that crazy or do you think that is a possibility
1: i think it is a possibility but unfortunately that would be the downfall of america yeah right because a person without hope and a purpose is not a person mm-hmm. if there's no hope and you're just getting your basic needs met your hope is gone yeah so your purpose is gone and without hope and without a purpose I mean we're built for a purpose Mm -hmm. and we're built to have hope I think that kind of doesn't leave much hope for the next generation if that becomes true unfortunately for me I would not want to see that
0: as a way to advance my future yeah no me neither (laughs) I I totally agree that for me, work has, uh, it does give me a lot of purpose in life. Even, you know, there's definitely days where I don't want to be working and, uh, I, I don't like my job or whatever, but I, I do recognize that, uh, work has given me, um, a purpose and it gives me a sense of fulfillment, um, that I have, I'm able to give my time to, to something and, and, Um, Yes, I get paid for it, but also I do feel like, well, I was productive today. I I got stuff done
1: Yeah, you have to have a purpose. I mean, I think I do some work with Noah and we work with like five to seven older disabled people that have um, You know some serious challenges and you know, they come out and work in a food pantry and they're very happy when they're there and they have a purpose and they serve a purpose and they're helping people and and it makes me happy that they have something that they can give back. Yeah, Without giving back and having just so much without a work
0: just so much gets taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll ask you this last question to finish. What is it today in your life that helps you find purpose? Believe it or not it's just being a dad.
1: Like, my kids really like the tea I make. So I make tea every day. Mm-hmm. I usually do a load of laundry and I cook them dinner. And a majority of the time we go to the gym around four or five o'clock and work out. And I think it's this time in my life where we offered them a tough reality that's not something they chose. Um, and maybe not something God chose. So we, I feel like being able to step up as a dad in this season for Jacob, James, and Noah is my
0: purpose. Well, from what I've seen, you're a great dad. Absolutely. You're fulfilling that purpose. Well, um, thank you for your time today. I, I know we've talked about doing this. Um, we started talking about doing this a few months ago, so I'm glad we finally got to do it. And uh, maybe one day we can do it again.
1: Yeah, I hope to do it with sunny days one day. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, thank you so much, Uncle Dan. To those of you listening, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with more episodes soon. Have a great day and happy Thanksgiving.